There will be an opportunity for you today to get up out of your seat, come forward and experience the God of the universe, his love, his forgiveness. You know, when we're talking about celebrating Easter Sunday, when we're talking about celebrating the resurrection of Christ, I mean, man, it's cool, like Henry said, garden asylum later, that's cool, gathering together with the family, some of you guys probably going to do an Easter egg hunt, that kind of stuff. You know, it's, that's fine, man, but the, the most important part of celebrating Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is giving your life to Jesus Christ. And there has to be a moment, there has to be somewhere in, the, in, your, in your life where you went forward, where you accepted Him, where you made a decision. You weren't ashamed to get up in front of everybody and say, yes. I will follow Jesus because he was crucified there on the cross of Calvary. He bore all my sins. He shed his blood to wash me clean. He did it publicly. I'm not afraid to do it publicly. That has to be you, my friend. There has to be a day when you got up and you went forward and you said yes. Otherwise, you can't really say that you celebrated Easter Sunday. This is what it's all about. And so my prayer is that you begin to ready your heart for that moment. You begin to ready your heart for that decision. You begin to muster up the courage that is necessary to become a man of God. You begin to muster up that courage that's necessary to get up out of your seat and go forward, ladies, because of the love that he has for you. My prayer is that that would be in our hearts. Because when you think about Easter Sunday, man, that's an awesome day, huh? It really is. I mean, the, the, the difference between Friday and, and Sunday, man, I was thinking about the, the, the topic for today that a lot can happen in three days. You guys know that, right? I was reading one article that listed things that we can do in three days. Number one on the list was to binge watch a TV series. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but imagine taking three days to watch every episode from beginning to end of your favorite show. You know, of course, it depends on how many episodes that series has. I wouldn't be able to complete my personal favorites since Leave It to Beaver has 235 episodes. And so it wouldn't work for me, but that would be kind of cool. Number two on the list was a detox. I'm not an expert in health, but if you can't kick that sluggish feeling, maybe a detox or a juice cleansing would help. According to the article that I read, three days is a good amount of time because it's long enough to flush certain toxins out of your body, but not too long to where you go crazy, right? So number one, uh, binge watch. Number two, detox. Number three on the list was you can actually whiten your teeth in three days. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but it sounds like an advertisement. But they say if you switch to Colgate, Optic, White Express, then you can whiten your teeth in three days. Now, I notice a lot of you guys who don't normally take notes when I do Bible studies, you're taking notes now. I forgive you for that. Number four, in three days, they say you can write a song. I don't know where they got that one from. Number five, in three days, you can travel to the moon. So if you buckle up in a spaceship, think about it. You can travel 240,000 miles from our planet to the moon in about three days. I think they're getting ready to do that, right, Artemis too. Number six, uh, not to gross you out, but they say, in general, food takes one to three days to move through our digestive tract completely. And so the exact time depends on the amount of food, types of food, age, metabolism, things like that. But it's safe to say that in three days, that sirloin steak will be gone, just to let you know. Uh, although cake lasts a little longer, if you know what I mean. But anyway... <laughs> 
the, the things that we can do in three days, what a difference three days makes, and of course this is why we're here, forgive me for taking two minutes to talk about things that are trivial, but this the main reason we're here, we know the three days that we're talking about, is wow, wow, what happened from that Friday to that Sunday in three days, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, what he did in the end right there. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Like in baseball, in the last inning, when you finish the work, they call it a save. No, this is a save. Jesus Christ in three days saved our souls from the power, penalty, and one day presence of sin. We, Christians, we are now free. We can walk in victory for eternity. This is the truth, the joy, and the power of the resurrection. I don't know if you want that. If you don't have that, you can have that today. The salvation that Jesus Christ wrought in three days is amazing. You know, I know life is hard. Don't get me wrong. I understand that completely. Some of you guys here, very, very difficult. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, however, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And it's interesting because that word uh, joy, it, it comes in the morning. In the Hebrew language, it's shouts of joy. Shouts of joy. So yeah, life is difficult. Life is hard. Life has its struggles. Let me tell you, it's a battle against the flesh. The world and the devil, I understand that. You get down, you get defeated, you get discouraged. Some people give up. But what God is saying is, listen, don't give up, don't split, don't quit. Weeping may endure for a night. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy, not just joy, shouts of joy will come in the morning. And that's what, in one sense, Easter Sunday is all about. You know, we know life is difficult, but Jesus said... When you're traveling, he didn't promise smooth sailing. He never said that, Matt. He never promised that things are going to go hunky-dory just like you want. He never promised smooth sailing, but he said, I will take you to the other side. In this world, you will have tribulation, Jesus said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. This is a Savior that we worship, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. It doesn't matter what my name is. It doesn't matter what anyone else's name is. The only name that we're celebrating today is the name of Jesus. That's why we're here. I pray you would know that. You know, in three days, everything changed. That Friday was the die day when Jesus Christ was crucified and died for our sins. All the things you've ever done wrong, my friend, all the things that you've ever done wrong, it doesn't matter how black or bleak they were, Jesus bore those sins when he died on that cross Friday. All the things you've ever done wrong, past, present, and future, they were all laid on him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That Friday was a, the die day, and then can you imagine what the Saturday was like? I mean, Saturday, we're talking about sadder than they'd ever been, right? Beyond measure, when it looked like all hope was lost, their dream died. Their deliverer died. That was Friday, that was Saturday, but then Sunday, man, he rose from the dead, just like the rising of the sun, yet never ever to set. The Son of God gutted the grave and defeated death, but not just for himself, for us as well, And what we discover is that if Jesus Christ can defeat that curse, that curse of death, 
then he can defeat any curse you will ever face in your life. This is why we worship. This is why there's joy today. This is why you're dressed up. This is why you show up. Because there's no one like Jesus who died and rose again. You know, the world right now, they're kind of making a big thing about these three different holidays, you know, kind of coinciding, Ramadan, Passover, you know, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. But listen, Muhammad died and stayed dead. There's no one like Jesus. You know, Muhammad killed people. Jesus died for us. Big difference. The Jews today, they uh, think that they can go to heaven through their own good works. And Yom Kippur, what they do is they go and they try to do good works in order to earn themselves their, their right to heaven. Listen, we can never earn our way to heaven because we'll never be good enough. We'll never be perfect. Heaven is for perfect people because God is holy and in his presence is no sin at all. So how are we going to get to heaven? Not by being a, a Jew, not by being a Muslim, not by Buddhism or Hinduism or any of those things. The only way, Jesus said, the only way to heaven is him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. This is why we celebrate. You know, it changed everything that Sunday is the ultimate victory because death was the greatest enemy. But now as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're saved from that sentence, the power of death. And now it begins the moment you receive it and you believe on the Lord by faith and everything changes. Now, I want to read to you guys a few verses. If you want, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 28. And I want to look at the story and maybe read to you a couple of verses. Because what we find when you read the Old Testament, you read the New Testament, the prophecies and the fulfillment is, man, this was the plan all along. You know, in Matthew chapter 28, it says in verse 1, Now, after the Sabbath... As the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance, think about this, was like lightning and his clothing as white as the snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. That's the Roman guards. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. I mean, they had laid him in the tomb. They watched where they laid him. Sunday morning, before the sun rises, the ladies are on their way. They're going to finish anointing the body of Jesus. They're kind of wondering who's going to move the stone, but they didn't have to move it themselves because the earthquake and the angels had opened the way for them to go in. And the angel made that announcement. And the other gospels tell us, why do you seek the dead among the living? He's not here. He's risen, as he had said. Go, tell the guys. And the other gospels say, make sure you tell Peter, too, that I'm going to go and I'm going to meet them there in Galilee. I love that because, you know, as God looks out, you know, and you might think, well, there's a, whatever, a ton of people here. And, you know, I'm sure I can hide in the crowd. And then here you are, and you're struggling, and you're hurting, and you know that you don't have that assurance of salvation. 
You don't really know where you stand with God because, listen, you know deep in your heart that it's not a religion. It's a relationship that you need to have with God. And God says, hey, you know, go and tell the people, but that one right there too, and that one right there, and you serve. Yes, God wants to work in your life. Maybe you think like you failed the Lord, like Peter who had denied the Lord. There's no way that God would accept me. Yes, let me tell you something, that he is here willing to accept you in the Beloved. He's singling you out. You, yes, God will come into your life. I'll never forget August 20th, 1989, when I was there, someone had invited me to church. And I remember, man, when the altar call happened, I didn't want to go up. I was afraid. I delayed. I waited. And I'll tell you what, man, eventually, eventually God gave me the grace and God gave me the courage to get up out of my seat and to go forward and accept Christ. And when I did, the God of the universe came into my life. You will never, ever know what God can do in your life unless you respond to the invitation of his love. Going to church will not save you. You can't stand before the Lord one day and say, God, I was there at the Easter service. It won't work. You have to go forward. You have to give your life to Christ. Here we see, the, 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 hey, tell the disciples and make sure you tell Peter. Make sure you tell that brother out there who thinks that he's too bad that God won't accept him. Maybe make sure you tell that sister out there who thinks that there's no way that God can do that work in her life because of all that she's gone through. Listen, God loves you. And what we find right here is as they went to that tomb, it, it was empty. But the empty tomb is not enough. Notice as you, as you continue reading right here. It says, so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And it says, and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, rejoice. And so they came, held him by the feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. See, I've been to Israel. I've seen the tomb. It's empty. It's this beautiful tomb there in the garden. And there, it's not too far, just like the Bible says, not too far from the place where they crucified him. And you can see where they crucified Christ. It's on this road. It's this public road. There were millions of people there. He died in front of all those people. You can see Mount Calvary. You can see it. It's all there, just like the Bible says. There is where your Savior died. And then you walk over here. It's not too far. There's the garden tomb. There you got the wine press. You got the garden. And you got the tomb. I've been in the tomb. It's empty. It's a beautiful tomb. It's a rich man's tomb, just like the Bible says. And the interesting thing about it is when you go into the tomb, they didn't find any traces of body decomposition. Never was a body buried there. Why? Because that was the tomb where Jesus was. And Psalm 16, verse 10 says, You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. He, his body did not decay. He rose from the dead. He gutted the grave, defeated it. We've been there. I've been there. And I'm telling you guys, the tomb is empty. But even that's not all the evidence. Because an empty tomb doesn't necessarily equate to a risen Lord. He rose again. And we see right here, the ladies ran into him. You read the Bible, Mary Magdalene saw him personally. Peter did, the two on the road to Emmaus. But James, the brother of Jesus, saw him. And Paul, the apostle, on the road to Damascus. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that he appeared to 500 people at one time. 
There's about 500 people here. Jesus appeared to all these people. That's the evidence of the resurrection. He is a living Lord. And what we find right here, you guys, is man, the, 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 the day, Friday, the day of die day became Saturday. But then Sunday, what can happen in three days? He saved us from our sins. The, the death of Christ in one sense is the payment and the resurrection is the receive. It's the validation that the payment was accepted in the sight of God. And you guys, what we're here to, to, to say, Jesus said, and, and because I live, you also will live. You also will live. You won't go to hell. You will go to heaven because you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or have you? Honestly, have you accepted him? Like I said, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac, you know, stuff like that. We mentioned those things, you know. You got to understand, you guys. You know, I was thinking about how the evidence for the resurrection is so overwhelming. It's just in history. 62,000 Greek manuscripts talk about the Christian truth and what Jesus did. It's amazing. When you look at the evidence, it's absolutely overwhelming. Uh, Simon Greenleaf, who was the dean of law at Harvard University, was challenged by his students to examine the evidence for the resurrection. Here is a man who was an atheist. Because maybe you're out there and you're thinking, well, I'm an intellectual. I'm too smart for this. Maybe you're out there and you're thinking, well, I don't know about guys who are, you know, they got their degrees and stuff. Do they follow yet? The Lord, absolutely. Because this guy was an atheist and his students had challenged him to examine the evidence for the resurrection. This is the man who wrote the book for evidence admissible in the court of law. He examined the evidence for the resurrection, the historical evidence for the resurrection, and he became a Christian. This is why, you guys, what we're saying is true. The power of this truth. Truly, he rose again. It's something that we see, that see that's historical, but you want to know something else that's pretty cool, man? It's something that we see that is personal. That is personal. And I was thinking about some of the people. I mean, all of you who are Christians here, and I can point to my, my brother Joshua and my brother Henry and that brother Henry over there. I was thinking about some of the people who actually accepted the Lord on Easter Day. I was thinking of David. I was thinking of Andrew. I was thinking of Karina. I was thinking about so many people who on Easter Sunday, because there is power present here if you come forward god will meet you i'm telling you they we have the historical evidence of the resurrection but we also have the personal evidence of the resurrection you know the guy that was up here earlier handy doing the announcements do you know how bad he was <laughs> talk to liz man i'll tell you she'll tell you the story you know but now the beautiful work that God has done in his life because he has experienced the power of the resurrection, which is what we're talking about, which is available to you. Amen. It's a personal witness. I think of my brother John. He said, yeah, when he was 12 years old, he accepted the Lord, but then he drifted away, but then God brought him back. You guys, we're here because we love you. We, we pray for you. And all we're saying is, man, if you're out there, and you need a new start if you're out there and you want that assurance, do not leave today. 
without coming forward and accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior because he is alive. I mean, he rose from the dead. We have the historical evidence and we have the personal evidence. You know, I was thinking about how in the scriptures, and we don't have time to go there, but, you know, Acts chapter 2, 22 through 25, give us the first sermon there in the book of Acts when they were kind of like saying to the people, hey, you know, these guys are drunk. They're speaking in tongues, and it's early in the morning. And, you know, Peter went on and shared the, the, the testimony. No, we're, we're not drunk with wine. We're drunk. We're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And then he just went on, simple message. This is what happened, you guys. This is a promise from the book of Joel. And what, this is what happened. You took with lawless hands and crucified Christ, but God rose him from the dead. And as he gave the simple message, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, people were cut to the heart. And God ended up saving them. And you go through the book of Acts, and we don't have time to go there, but that's all you see. He died and rose again. He died and rose again. They kept preaching. He died and rose again. Later on, Paul would preach. He died and rose again. He died and rose again. Why? Because one day we will die. One day we will die. You don't know what day it is. You might think, well, I've got plenty of time. I'm telling you guys, no man knows the day or the hour. No man has tomorrow guaranteed. He died and rose again so that when you die, you can rise again. And what we have, you guys, is the power of the truth and the power of God's hope. You know, I was talking to a man last Wednesday, and I don't know what's worse. You know, I know some of you are parents, and your child has passed away. That happens in this broken world. I was talking to a man the other day. His little girl is only three years old, and mom passed away. Which is worse? There's really nothing that's worse, but I tell you what, my heart was out to this little girl. And so dad is saying, well, what should we do? Should we take her to counseling? And I told her, listen, as a father, obviously that's a decision that you have to make. But sir, let me just share with you, make sure that counselor gives you biblical counsel. Because the only, the only truth that could ever heal such a beautiful, precious little heart who's lost her mom or a parent who's lost a child or anyone who's ever lost a loved one is the power and hope of the resurrection that, yes, I have no shadow of a doubt, I will see my mom again. When that little girl embraces that truth that she will see her mom again, it will give her the healing that no amount of worldly counsel could ever give her. That is the answer for us. He died, rose again, so that when you die, when our loved ones die, we will rise again. And heaven is more real than this place right here. This hope of the resurrection is so important. I was reading a story about a man who was unfortunately went through a devastating loss of their 27-year-old son named Matthew. He was battling depression and he ended up and after about a year of tragedy, people would come up to him and they would ask him, they would say, how are you doing? What, what, what's, what's keeping you standing as a, as, a, as, a, as a father and as a mother? And, and all they kept saying, the simple answer was, the, the answer is Easter. You see, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ happened over three days. Friday was the day of suffering, pain, and agony. 
And friend, I'm here to tell you, not as a prophet, but as an individual who knows what's going on in the world, we all will suffer death. We all will go through suffering, pain, and agony in some way. Friday was the day of suffering, pain, and agony. Saturday, he said, was the day of doubt and confusion and misery. And you will go through that. If you're not there, if you haven't been there, you will be there one day because we live in a fallen world. And so Saturday was that day of doubt and confusion and misery. But Easter was the day of hope and joy and victory. And this is the day that we now live in. He said, here's the fact of life. You will face these three days over and over and over again in your lifetime. And when you do, you'll find yourself asking, he said, as I did, the three fundamental questions. Number one, what do I do in my day of pain? Number two, how do I get through my days of doubt and confusion? And number three, how do I get to the day of joy and victory? And the answer is Easter. What we're experiencing, what we're celebrating today is the answer. You see, you have the power of the truth, the historical evidence, the personal evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have the power of hope. No matter what happens, we can have that hope. But then you have the power of grace. And it's so cool to think. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that when we were enemies of God, God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why did he die for you? Is it because we deserve it? No. It's because he's a good God. He's a gracious God. God's unmerited favor. I'm here to tell you guys this, Sam, that I am a sinner. You might think, well, he's a pastor. He knows the Bible. He preaches whatever it might be. Absolutely not. I am just the same as all of you. I've sinned every single day of my life. I have to tell you that. Ask my wife. <laughs> I am an imperfect man. I am not perfect. Neither are you. But I am pardoned. I am forgiven. And you can be forgiven too. Simple thing by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. We don't deserve it. And we never will. But he died for us. They put him in the grave, but death could not hold him. Just like death cannot hold you when you place your faith in Christ. You see, it's grace. We have to understand that. You know, I read a story about a man who discovered grace through failure. He said, many years ago, my wife and I were having a marital moral discourse. In other words, they were fighting. <laughs> he said, and I was getting mad. In my fury, I yelled at her and aimed my fist at a section of the wall. Unfortunately, he said, the Holy Spirit failed to guide my hand between the studs, <laughs> as he usually had done. And instead, he said, I hit a stud right on, and I broke my hand. Suddenly, silence settled in the room. He said, well, I came from a family in which nothing got done unless someone yelled. He said, Barb came from a family in which yelling brought things to a standstill. And so the husband said, I knew she wasn't going to speak to me for days, maybe weeks. As I anguished in my physical pain, I also anguished, he said, in my emotional pain. I was a failure as a husband. I was a failure as a man. 
He said, as I tried awkwardly with one hand to sweep up the bits of sheetrock strewn on the floor, he said, suddenly I felt a hand on my arm. I turned around and it was Barb, looking at me with compassion and with tears in her eyes. I said something apologetic and then I looked deeper in her eyes and I sensed love. I sensed forgiveness. She then embraced me for a long time. He said she had every right to pronounce a judgment, to condemn my behavior, to point out my foolishness and distance herself from me. That surely would have taught me a lesson, but instead she embraced the angry sinner and rather than teaching me a lesson, she sent me on a course to heal my broken heart. Why do we sin? Because we're broken. Jesus Christ can heal our hearts. We won't be perfect, but we will be pardoned. He went on to say, in those three days back in history, what we find is that Christians celebrate something similar. In his life, Jesus also identified with the immoral. He spent time with them, so much time with sinners, that the good people of his day mistook him for a sinner. But on Good Friday, Jesus took it infinitely deeper. He didn't distance himself from sin. He bore sin. He became sin. He embraced it upon himself. And in this loving embrace, he made redemption possible, a redemption validated by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, I know some of you guys know, you know, you were invited by a friend, right? I want you to think for a moment about your friend that invited you. Has not God come into their life? You can't deny it. You can't deny it. There's no one like Jesus. Every other religion, they're trying to make you good enough. Well, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do this. And you're trying to work your way up the hill. You'll never make it. Christianity is the only religion in the world where God came down the mountain. Christianity is the only religion in the world where it's a free gift. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift that he wants to give. And I think of what happened that Easter. I can't even begin to imagine what it must have been like that Friday. Wow, that, that Saturday. But then that Sunday when God began to appear to them. You know, that Sunday is lingering now. And my, my question is, have you experienced the power of the resurrection? And they say that 12% of Americans attend only one religious service a year. They say that 43% of Americans plan on going to church this year, while 80% celebrate Easter. What we find is going on in our nation now is the trends are downward. Unfortunately, what we see, the days are getting darker. And it's for that reason that we as, you know, gathered together today, we got to brighten up, we got to look up. We have to ask God to come into our life. And what we find is that you guys are here today, not by accident, not by random chance. You may even think it was your decision. And maybe in part it was. But it was primarily because God brought you here today. For you Christians... You guys that are walking with the Lord, not perfect, but prior, you know what I'm talking about. You're here to say thank you, Jesus, right? 
Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Lord, thank you. We praise you. We love you. Rising from the dead, giving me victory for those of you that are there. But for many of you who are here today and, and you need, just you need to know the love of God for you. You need a new beginning. I pray with all my heart that you would not miss this opportunity to be able to experience the power of the resurrection in a new beginning, because maybe you've drifted away from the Lord and you need to come back. Or maybe it's the first time, man. God's brought you here because he wants to write your name in the book of life. You know, you don't want to be like one of those, you know, that only come to the church uh, once a year. I read a story about a couple. Uh, her name was Janet, and she glared disapprovingly at her husband, Al. She couldn't believe how he had just embarrassed them. Because it was Easter Sunday morning and the couple was standing at the back of the church shaking hands with the pastor. And, you know, the guy told the pastor, hey, you know, you're in a rut, or you're in a rut, uh, sir. He said, every time I come to church, you always preach about the same thing, the resurrection. <laughs> and he said, yeah, it's only, it's because you come only once a year. <laughs> Jesus went every week. Jesus loves you. Don't miss this opportunity. It's very simple. It's very simple. You know, we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Have you sinned, guys? If you say no, then you just sin. <laughs> the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life. The Bible says as many as receive him, to them he give the right to become children of God. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so as we close today, this is the best way to celebrate Easter now, is give your heart to Christ. He loves you, he's calling you. And I know for many of you, man, it's going to be a new beginning, it's going to be a blessing. And so let me pray with you and then give you that opportunity. Lord, I thank you for, for loving us the way that you do. I pray, Lord, that these beautiful people would not miss the moment. That they would get past the lies, the so-called intellectualism that denies the validity of the power of the resurrection that's present today. That, Lord, you would just take them past, Lord, any of those lies that maybe they think they're not good enough or maybe they think, well, I've tried it before. Maybe they think it won't work for me. Oh, yes, it will. But I pray that these people would know you love them and that you called them here, Lord, for such a time as this. Thank you, Lord, for dying for us on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead, Lord, giving us beyond a shadow of a hope that one day, one day, Lord, we know that we will rise also. So bless your people, I pray, Lord, to do a mighty work. We love you. We thank you. And we give this time to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And as you guys are out there, Christians, I want to encourage you, just keep praying. For some of you guys here today, what I want to do is I want to invite you forward. We're going to sing a song.